Hello everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Sia Senior from Arrowhead Capital. Welcome, Sia. Hi, good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, Sia. How about you? I'm good, Rama. Cool. Little bit about Sia. Sia Senior began her career as a mathematics educator on the high school and community college level. She earned her MBA in economics and finance, started in real estate as a real estate professional before transitioning to real estate investment. With nearly 20 years of real estate investment experience, Sia has helped build and manage an impressive rental portfolio. Sia is responsible for company operations and asset management. So with that, Sia, you want to add anything to your background? No, I think you did an excellent job there. Okay, sure. Got it. So why and how, how did you get into real estate and multifamily space? So I got into real estate with the encouragement of my husband. We were both W-2 employees. I, I was a teacher and he was a IT contractor for the federal government. Um, and when we purchased our first home, we recognized, you know, one, how easy it was to do that back in 2004 um, as agents. And so we became agents. And then um, after about a year or so, we moved out of our first residence into our current residence. And we were able to turn that first residence into a rental and saw uh, the benefits of the cash flow that was coming from very little work that we had to do. And so that started our bug with, you know, owning properties. We started um, me on the weekends and then the summers, you know, helping people purchase their homes as agents. We picked up um, additional rentals. We did some flips. Um, and just kept building our portfolio until we got to the point where we were ready to go into multifamily. And so we have a little over 20 units um, included in the Baltimore, D.C. area, including a four unit in D.C. And um, yeah, we're excited. We um, last year were able to joint venture um, with other partners to you know, purchase a 16 unit um, in Tennessee, Johnson, Tennessee, um, and also do a, a limited partnership um, in Houston, Texas with 134 units. So we're very excited about the space. We find real estate to be really beneficial and we also enjoy the ability to be able to impact our communities um, through proper management. Got it. Thank you very much. So would you share a little bit more about your, you know, 16 units, uh, uh, Johnson, Johnson City, Tennessee market deal and what, what exactly your role there? Sure. So the 16 unit, um, we were brought that by one of our team members um, that we met through networking, um, in particular underwriting networking group, um, Hema Robles. And so she found that and brought it to the group um, after looking at the underwriting and, you know, uh, really evaluating. We thought it was a great opportunity. And so we were able to purchase that as a group, the 16 unit, it's townhouses, 
which is great. Um, Well-built. Um, the owner built it in the early 2000s. Um, and he had a portfolio that, you know, ranged in a couple hundred units that he was starting to offload. And so he decided that he would like to let that one go. Um, and we were fortunate enough that through negotiations, we were able to get that um, with the sale of finance. So we purchased it for $1.5 million, um, and the seller uh, financed $1 million of it. And so the rest of us brought together the rest of the funds to, you know, purchase the property, take it down um, and then address any kind of small issues that had to be dealt with, any deferred maintenance, which were which were minor. He did a really good job of managing the property, taking care of it. Um, the only thing that he faulted, which happens a lot with uh, self-managed properties, is that he wasn't necessarily getting the best income coming in um, regarding the rents. And so fortunate for us, the rents were um, grossly under market. And so with connecting with local property managers there, we were able to, in our under, underwriting and analysis, see that there was great potential to, to increase value um, of the property, increase the income coming in um, while keeping, you know, you know, very doing very little, not, not a heavy lift at all. And so um, it's great. It's been a great experience. Um, I am part of the asset management team. And so I just, um, with the, you know, with the main members, we take a look at it. We are working on implementing the business plan, which includes um, taking care of minor, you know, issues that are inside the units. Um, we have two that we um, will have to, that we started already um, having to do a little bit of upgrade. The rest were already upgraded by the previous owner. And so um, we've been fortunate that, you know, one was a soft turn paint, and we were able to get the market rents. The rents initially were about, you know, averaging about six, sorry, averaging about seven, 800. And we've been able to get the market rent with very little work up to 1200. And so we're a couple years ahead of our, our plan that we thought, you know, uh, we're, you know, we had that 1200 mark in about year three and we're hitting it now. And we've had it since December. So we're, we're feeling really good about the property. And it's been a great experience working with uh, the residents there and the property manager. Awesome. So on your business plan, hitting like now from uh, taking market rents from a seven hundred or eight hundred to twelve hundred, that's awesome, phenomenal. And like, uh, so what are the you know wh- how exactly your plan to increase and why by implementing some kind of strategies? So would you share a bit more about that? Sure. So you know, initially, as I said before, we have we had a couple units. What we did initially is we went through to kind of you know during the due diligence see what kind of uh, maintenance issues had to be addressed. Um, obviously, there's some things on the outside awnings that we had to take care of. So some of the stuff that you that the residents will be able to see right away or were able to see right away in terms of the the grounds um, and making sure that um, you know any kind of decks or anything like that or brickwork that were, would be addressed. Placing the awnings if they needed to. Or, or, you know, or upgrading them or, you know, getting them cleaned up um, just to give a nice presentable look on the outside of the units that they have. Um, it's a beautiful place on the side of a mountain. So it's very, you know, it's very enjoyable to, to, to be, you know, to live there and to experience that. Um, and so inside just minor things that had to be addressed, light bulbs, light switches, you know, replacing some minor items. And so for us, really, it was a, a very easy asset to purchase. We are cash flowing on day one, which is great for us. And so we've been able to communicate with the tenants through the property managers to see, you know, where they were in terms of 
because we knew we had, you know, this great ability to increase the rents. Uh, we still recognize that we, you know, have tenants who have been there living there and we wanted to work with them because our goal is not necessarily to come into a property and get rid of everyone, right? We wanted to work with the tenants, keep them there because obviously, you know, if you're able to keep your tenants, that that decreases your chances of and the cost of turnovers and increases your NOI because you're able to work with them to increase the rents. And so there are, after we, you know, did an audit and were able to communicate with all of the residents to see, you know, where they stood. Um, we had some that were, you know, because we made it clear that obviously the rents were going to have to increase because they were so, you know, grossly below market. But we wanted to work with them such that we weren't putting them out of the place they had been living in, in months and stuff like that. So we were able to communicate with them and discuss with them and let them know where we stood with the rents and how they were going to increase. Um, those that chose to stay, you know, recognized they were going to have an increase, whether they wanted to stay for uh, a year and get the year increase that was going to happen. Or if they wanted to go month to month, they would get that month to month increase, which was a different value, um, but still were able to, you know, we were able to increase it from what they were paying and they recognized that. And that gave the ones that wanted to, you know, look around to see what other options were, it gave them some time where they didn't feel forced, where they were initially hit with the market rent, um, but they could kind of slowly work into it. And the same thing with those who decided to stay, you know, we didn't go right away to the current market rent of 2012, 1200. Um, we kind of eased it into them. Like we, like I would do on our on assets that we have on our own that we personally own. And so for those tenants, you know, we've had some that month to month and they have a slight increase. The ones that are, you know, going to stay for a year and leased up, renewed, they got their increase. And then the ones that were vacated, we were able to take those units quickly to market rent um, with very little, or if one of the units I believe has, has a little bit of work to do into it. And so the market rents that we projected for, you know, two years, three years down the line on those particular units, two or three units, we've been able to hit them um, right away. And so that's been great for us because we still get the increase in rents and the ones where the properties are vacant, the units are vacant. We were able to get the market rent of 1200, um, which was our goal for three, you know, in three years. And then the tenants are still there. And so we've had, you know, a great, I think we've had a good opportunity and a great way to kind of connect with the tenants, keep them in the property, those that want to stay and the ones that, you know, we need to turn, we were able to turn quickly and, and get rents to get those profitable again. So it's been a great experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely like jumping uh, rents from 800 to 1200 is a big jump and it's definitely, you know, we need to strategically, you know, implement uh, different strategies. Yeah, absolutely. And other thing is like uh, you mentioned, so you you guys closed with, I uh, went with seller financing option. So would you share a little bit more about that, how exactly, you know, you convinced the seller, you know, seller or owner of going with this option? Right. So I actually wasn't in on that conversation, but typically, you know, when we first bring, whenever you bring a option, the idea of doing seller financing, it's really to benefit both us, obviously, as the purchasers, but also the seller in that we're communicating the benefit of this particular seller, you know, who was offloading his units, you know, he, I guess he was ready to retire. And, you know, um, so he was offloading his units already. And so he had a bunch of them that he was, you know, letting go of and selling. And so for us, you know, we presented the idea of, you know, you know, we know you're letting go of units. This might be a great opportunity for you where you don't necessarily have to get hit 
with, you know, this, this capital gains right away, since you're already probably going to have to manage the other assets that you have been letting go over the past, you know, year or so. Um, and so we were able to, you know, talk and explain and, and negotiate that we could do a self-financing. I think it's 18 months to two years. Um, it's actually a two year, you know, note with him where, you know, we'll be able to pay in two years. We'll refinance, you know, after we're getting the, getting the assets stabilized, refinance and be able to pay him then. And which gives him some time to kind of get his finances in order and act accordingly so that he's able to make the best tax decision as it pertains to, you know, capital gains um, that he will receive from the sale of this property. Got it. Got it. And what kind of terms you're getting? Um, so it's just, uh, you know, one year. Um, no, it's 24 months with a 4.25, I believe, was the rate that we got. Oh, so 24 months uh, interest only? Yeah, interest only. Okay, got it. That's a good, good time. Yeah, good it was good. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So what is your exit plan uh, on this? this so that's a great question. I mean, I think, you know, I'm part of the, the team that will be looking at the numbers as we, you know, get the property stabilized and get ready to do the refinance in a, in a couple months to a year and looking and seeing, you know, what the market is doing at that time and seeing, you know, how we're performing, if it's something that we want to refinance um, and keep because a number of us are, you know, buy and hold investors by nature. And so this would be a great asset to keep, um, you know, and hold on to and enjoy the benefits of, you know, a well-run asset providing financial, you know, um, stability and financial wealth for all of our families. Um, but the other option too is to sell it. And so I think it will depend on what the market's doing and what the rates look like um, I lean towards holding it just because that's who I am as a you know as a as an investor is to buy and hold properties. I'm into gaining wealth and generational wealth and keeping that um, for ourselves, our kids, and our you know our our families to come. And so I think that we try to align ourselves with people that have that same train of thought. And so the goal I hope is that we would keep it. But if not, and if it makes sense, we can sell it. Or maybe some of us will you know purchase it from our you know from the group and and hold it. So I think we have a couple of different options and I think it just depends on what the market looks like when we get there in about a year. Awesome. Thank you. And also you, you, you're managing another 20 properties. Uh, maybe I guess it's locally. Yes. So, uh, what's your model? Uh, what's your model in managing those properties? So, you know, this, the properties, the 20 plus properties that we, my husband and I, we uh, own wholly and manage them. Um, our model is really just to make sure that we communicate with the tenants. We're, we do a great job up front in terms of tenant screening um, and communicating clearly what you know, the expectations are um, and what the tenants have for expectations. Um, and so as long as we are all in agreement as to how you know, this, the relationship will process, I think it works out well. And so we've been able to, and from our 15 plus years of experience, we've learned a lot about you know, how, to how to screen tenants and how to communicate with tenants so that um, any expectations that are there, you know, that are, the expectations are laid out clear. And so we've had a great um, experience, you know, learning about how to communicate well with tenants, um, how to inform, how to create a relationship with them so that when you have to increase the rent, you can do it in a manner that's responsible and respectful and that recognizes, you know, the, 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 the humanity in your residence, right? Um, yes, there are customers and they're profitable and this is a business, which we definitely treat it like that, but it's a business that involves people. And so we try to keep that in mind um, as 
as we operate. And that's been really beneficial to us because we've had, you know, low turnover, which, you know, helps the bottom line, obviously decreases expenses. Um, and we've been able to, you know, keep some of our tenants for a long time and while still being able to increase the rent appropriately. So it's been, it's been a great experience. And that's usually how we like to operate. Got it. And would you share any any best experience in real estate or multifamily space? Oh, best experience um, in the multifamily space. I think for me, the best experience has been networking with as many people as possible, communicating, um, just to connect with people that, um, you know, align with your values. I think that's really important. I think there are lots of different types of investors out there. You have investors that are looking straight for, you know, quick um, cash in real estate. That's definitely an option. Um, and then there are those who are like us that like to, would like cash, obviously, but we'd like the cash flow of our assets and we like um, to hold them. And so for us, it's about, you know, growing the wealth that we have um, and connecting with people who want to do the same while also, you know, respecting the residents um, that live in our units. Um, so um, that's been my best experience is just kind of connecting with people who have the same like mind that I do. Awesome. And would you also share any challenging experiences in real estate or multifamily space? I would say probably the, the most challenging experiences, you know, those times when I didn't actually do our due diligence. Right. And so in terms of whether it's with an asset that we were going to purchase, but we hadn't actually done a good due diligence on it before we, you know, you got it on the contract or, you know, I've had ex that experience and learned from that to know that and definitely, you know, due diligence, it's always a requirement. Even if you're very familiar with the area, you know, it really well, you know, the houses, you know, the units in that area, um, it, you must take a look at it. You must, you know, at least get there and take a look at it. So that would be one. And I think the same thing goes with the residents that you, you know, you, that you screen them properly so that you don't have issues later on because you didn't do the full due diligence on your residents to make sure that they were a fit for your asset and a fit for you the way you operate. Um, that really goes a long way because it's nothing worse than picking up the wrong tenant and having to, you know, wait, especially although we didn't experience this, but I can imagine during a pandemic and you have a tenant that, you know, is very difficult and isn't paying and that kind of stuff. We were very fortunate that we had, we didn't have, um, you know, we, we had 100% collection. Well, we had 99% because we had one tenant that didn't pay. Um, and that was because I didn't do the complete due diligence on her. But those times when I haven't done full due diligence and full screening, you know, that's come back to bite me. So I think um, my, my, my advice would be to always do complete due diligence, whether or not you are sure about the asset, you know, the area, you know, it really well, you know, those homes, you know, those properties, you know, that, you know, it's always good to just make sure that you do your regular due diligence so that you can be um, sure and profitable and mitigate any kind of risk that might come from that. Got it. And what is your current focus and share something you're excited, excited about now? I'm really excited about um, doing some more joint ventures um, and, you know, getting people who are not in this real estate, real estate space, getting them informed and educated so that they can join us. Um, whether it be as, you know, um, active members in a joint venture, or if we find something that is a, something that we can do as a syndication and getting them to invest with us as limited partners, where they still get to see the benefit of owning real estate, um, and the wealth that comes with it without necessarily having to do all the work since we're you know pretty active. And so I'm excited about the opportunities of getting, um, more people in this space. Got it. Got it. 
So any any of your personal habits that are helping you to be successful? Uh, personal habits. Yeah. So I think for me, there are two. One is making sure that I, you know, get up every morning and get some, I get my meditation, I get my exercise. That's really good because it helps clear my mind. Um, so that's a really important habit that I have. And then the other one is, you know, using a planner and planning, you know, planning out my day, planning out my week, looking at the month and making sure that I'm focusing on those most important things that have to be done um, and getting them blocked in on my time. And then having the other stuff kind of, you know, fit in where it can, but making sure that the things that are most important are the ones that um, get addressed first. Got it. And any books that impacted your life and what way? Yeah, I think I have two that I really, I, I really enjoy. And the first one is The Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller. It's the blueprint upon which, you know, we built our real estate um, portfolio. And so I really like um, how Gary Keller explains using um, really simple kind of terminology, um, uses great examples with, you know, he, he they had interviewed hundreds of of millionaire real estate investors and try to, you know, really find out what it was that they were doing that they had in common. And so I really like that being able to see that. Um, the other book that I really like is called The One Thing. Um, and that's also by Gary Keller. I'm a fan of his, um, but I really like that. Um, he and Jay Pepison wrote a great book about really focusing on how to be productive, right? And how to eliminate the distractions so that you can accomplish as much as possible by, you know, prioritizing appropriately the things that will get you to where you want to be. And so uh, those two books have been very impactful in my life. Awesome. Both are great books. And how are you giving back to community? So, you know, the primary way we give back is um, we tithe at our church. We give 10% um, to our church. We also donate to local charities. We feel blessed and fortunate enough that we're able to, you know, provide the funds um, to support causes that sometimes are not, you know, well-known, um, but still very impactful and vital in the community. And so we like doing that. Um, we also spend time um, educating those who are interested. I, I do a webinar every two, twice a month, every, you know, first and third Wednesdays where I, you know, discuss real estate, answer questions, provide information and knowledge for those that are interested and want to get started in real estate investing. And then I also, you know, kind of moderate a small Facebook group to kind of facilitate that as well. Um, and so that's for me, the biggest thing that I'm trying to get as many people informed and educated and knowledgeable about investing in real estate, because I know the impact that it can have financially on lives um, and for families and for generations. So that's a big passion of mine. Awesome. And how can listeners can connect with you? Um, well, you can find me definitely on LinkedIn. Um, I'm there, CS Senior. And of course, if you head to our website, arrowheadcap.com, um, there's a way to connect with me as, um, as well there. So two places. Awesome. And thank you, Sia. And thank you, thank you for sharing your experience around asset management and your model on property management. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ram. I appreciate it. Sure. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.